0: On us again. Anyway, this is Ruth. And this is Mike. And today we're going to be talking about three different subjects. One is Hedwig and the Angry Inch, a favorite film of mine. We're also going to be discussing Mark Zuckerberg and his travails on Capitol Hill, as well as the multitude of technologies that were supposed to liberate us, but have actually made us feel more alone and isolated. In the tale? Are we going to talk about the tale? Oh, and the tale. The tale with Laura Dern and Ellen Burstyn. Yes. So, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. I know you tried to watch it. You're on this. your own here, Ruth. No, no, no. You tried to watch it, and how far did you get?
1: I don't remember. It was a long time ago. I just remember... Is it Scandinavian or something? Is the—is it British?
0: No, it's American. It's
1: American? I don't know. I just remember a rock singer... Yes. ...kind of ambiguous gender, screaming a lot.
0: He screamed when he sang.
1: Well, he must have been singing in the part I watched. yeah. That I don't so know. Interesting.
0: That's just all I remember.
1: I remember trying to like it and trying to get into it because it sounded avant garde and interesting from the descriptions I'd heard, but I couldn't relate. I'm going to make my pitch for the angels here.
0: Uh, Yeah, no, please do. It's not you, it's me. (laughs) Okay. No, no, no. It's an important film. I think its importance has actually expanded in modern times. It was um, filmed, I think, in 2000, or it came out in 2000. I think, or 2001. And I believe it was a Harvey Weinstein Miramax release. Okay. It is about someone who has ambiguous sexuality or gender identification.
1: Is there any kind of genital mutilation involved?
0: Well, that is the angry inch.
1: Yeah. Yes. I think maybe that too just made me cringe.
0: That was probably part of the problem. Yeah. Because it
1: had a cringe factor for me that was insurmountable.
0: Yes. The beginning of the story is the very beginning. I can say this because it's how the movie starts out. It's not out. a spoiler. He's a, uh, he's a young German man. Right. Who falls in love with a soldier. Okay. And they're so living in... On okay there um, he and his mother are living in East Germany
1: okay I like before that. it's liberated yeah
0: in order to marry the soldier he has to become a woman right and so he goes in under the knife and has a botched surgery oh. and so rather than recreating female genitalia he's left with an angry inch
1: a compromised a
0: compromised, a compromised penis. sexuality yes <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> that's it's,
1: a Novel title, isn't it? The Compromised, <laughs> Compromised Penis. Penis. It sounds like a by Philip By Oscar Philip Rock. Wilde. I
0: was <laughs> gonna say it sounds like a Philip Roth novel. <laughs> well, <laughs> well now um, that movie I well, I'll probably enjoyed. <laughs> The reason that I think it's important is, well, I will tell you about the production first. It was made for a million dollars. That's low, right? Very, very low. It's it's a pittance. I right. mean, it's amazing that they had costumes, makeup, they had production numbers. They, they had probably seven. They didn't even eight have eight phones minutes. back
1: then to film it with. They
0: didn't. Yeah. It was had to be filmed on, on real on film. film. It wasn't even digital. Right. This is John Cameron Mitchell who started it, wrote it and directed it. Now okay. it had been workshop off Broadway at the Music Box Theater for literally years. Right. And Hedwig was based on someone that babysat him and his siblings when he was a child. Okay. And I guess she was German and she had some sort of a story. The reason it's so profound is that it deals with the idea that we are all searching for our other halves.
1: Okay. And in in larger than only a gender sense. Yes, exactly. But but including that gender, I don't want to get you off track, but it reminds me of Carl Mueller that we studied drama with because he was always talking about union. Interpretation of yes. plays, and he was always talking about the animus, the male, yeah. and the anima, the female. Huh. And he said, it, you know, for him, every single play had the same interpretation, which was that the female was going unacknowledged, unrepresented, un- unheard, and that was the cause of all the tension in all of these plays, since Aeschylus.
0: I must have missed that day because <laughs> that would have changed my whole life. <laughs>
1: oh, you did miss that because that was lower division.
0: Oh, I did not miss that it. That was freshman. Oh, because I came in, in junior you, you year. Because you did
1: junior transfer. Oh, my God. That's an experience we did not share.
0: And it would have oh. made such a It, it would have made, would've such made such a, a huge impact on
1: you. Oh, it's okay. I'll bring you up to speed.
0: Dear Carl. <laughs> anyway, Carl would have appreciated Hedwig and the Angry Inch because right. it took place in Germany. He would have. Oh, there um, too. And then they moved. They okay. moved to, I think, Texas. Okay. And he's abandoned by the soldier, but he finds his voice. And what he also finds is a young man who he coaches to be a singing superstar. His name is Tommy Gnosis. Now Gnosis means in
1: knowledge to know. Yes, yeah. exactly.
0: And he's constantly looking after he he's then abandoned by Tommy. Once Tommy becomes a huge star, he's constantly looking for Tommy because Tommy is his other half. And they go through life looking for each other, and he's he's constantly rejected by Tommy. It has to do with artistic appropriation. One thing he knew was that he could sing. Now I don't know how to refer to Hedwig other than as Hedwig because I believe he identifies as female. But
1: but that's the main character.
0: It's the main character. Right.
1: It's the one that got uh, abandoned by by the soldier husband. Yes. Okay.
0: But there's some indication that there may be a time at which he needs to embrace both his male and his female side. Okay. So all I can tell you is that the music is amazing. And it goes through all different styles of rock. I mean, there's glam rock, there's hair rock, there's, you know, straight ahead rock and roll. And the the songs, which were written by Stephen Trask, both the music and the lyrics are quite phenomenal. So it's really a film that is so much out of the imagination of these two people, John Cameron Mitchell and Stephen Trask. Mm -hmm. And it's such a triumph of creativity and really of such deep and profound understanding of the human condition mm-hmm. in this strange package. Yeah. But I wouldn't insist that you see it unless what I'm telling you makes you think that you might like to see it, but it is a modern classic.
1: Yeah, no, I'm will certainly I take your recommendations with a grain of salt, but no, I take them very seriously. <laughs> so if anything was going to get me to give it another try, it, it would be you telling me it's worth a shot.
0: Um, I'll take a look. You yeah, didn't get to see the
1: musical, did you?
0: I did. You did? I did. I've seen one production of the musical, and many people have played Hedwig, including a woman. Mm-hmm. Alice Sheedy played, played Hedwig on it, was either on or off Broadway. I don't okay. think it actually, it didn't get onto Broadway, I don't think, until Neil Patrick Harris played right. it recently. Right. I, I know that all of these people have been lauded for their performances. Mm-hmm. I just can't see anybody else in that role. I just can't. He's so iconic and so amazing in it that simply no one else will do. So there's my pitch. Now, should we talk about the tail?
1: The tail, sure. I just came across it. I was, um, you know, flipping through uh, movies. Oh, and I looked it up. Yeah, it came in on a list of like one of the top films that's on streaming right now. Interesting. And then I always check it out on Fandango to see how many tomatoes it got. <laughs> and it had 99% tomatoes. So I thought, well, I'll give it a shot. It said it was about sexual abuse and a woman coming to terms with prior sexual really? abuse she'd experienced. And I, I don't know. It was the 99% that really <laughs> that really hooked me because I thought it must be more than what it says it is. Yes, And it was really fascinating and enlightening for me. And it helped me. It was a healing kind of movie.
0: Oh, it was. Yeah. 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 You know, I saw it, I think, over a year ago. Okay. So I don't remember all of the... I remember that there was a woman, Laura Dern, Mm -hmm. who... Does she remember the relationship that she had with her trainer? She, She
1: remembers what happened, but it's more about how she holds it and how she interprets it and what she had to... It's so great. In the movie, she's also a writing teacher. So there's certain classes where she's teaching these kids, I guess they're college students, about being real when you're writing and about interviewing interviewing people for writing assignments Uh and how you have to get past the facades and really get down to what's real. And she's kind of a hard-ass teacher with her students. But then it reflects in her... She's going back and reflecting on these things that happened to her She's aware of the ways in which she suffered sexual abuse by this couple that uh, it wasn't by her parents. No. It was by a woman. Her uh, riding teacher, wasn't it? Her her horseback riding teacher. Isn't that funny? Riding and writing. writing. Yes. Um, but um, she's the riding teacher, and mm. she's having an affair with a married man. And, yeah, she's 14, 13 years old at the time.
0: And she looks and very young.
1: Yeah. They They rope her into their personal story in a really inappropriate way. So the abuse really starts before any physical things happen, yes, just yeah. with the inappropriate intimacy. Yes. But what's so great about it is it's about the stories we tell ourselves to survive dramatic events that happen to us.
0: And what was the story she told herself?
1: The story she told herself was that it didn't affect her negatively, that she felt very loved and very cared for, and that they were like a family she never had. There was this whole process of idealization, not only of them as individuals, but of the experience. And the hardest thing I thought that she had to break through was this fantasy that had helped her hold it together. And the writing is so brilliant, because somehow, I can't point to how they do it, but somehow as this unfolds, you see that she's not fighting so much against what happened. She's fighting against the lies she told herself about why it happened and the lies she the stories she told herself
0: about this about the
1: value of that experience and Mm -hmm. i I saw what i saw and you know i may be bringing personal experience to it what i saw was how to survive it she made it a good thing that's what i really liked because i when i see or hear about stories of abuse of that kind it's usually portrayed as you would expect which is This horrible thing happened to me. And yes, it is a horrible thing. But what I thought was so interesting was that for her as the victim, her survival technique had to be, this is all a good thing.
0: Well, she's a writer, so she wrote a story about it.
1: Yeah, and her mother found something in the closet too, like old writings that she had done at the time. She had journaled about
0: it. Yes. And her mother was so disturbed. Her mother's
1: mad and on the phone. And that's Ellen Burstyn. And she's just brilliantly understated Incredible! In this yeah. It's amazing.
0: Well, you know, I have my own story of that kind of right. thing from the principal of my school when mm-hmm. I was in a private school. And it did take me years to figure out what had happened. Right. Because I did tell myself a story that I was in an environment that was so nurturing that it had helped save me from my family that's very
1: similar to this. Yeah.
0: And maybe that's why I'm having trouble remembering the story because I so related to it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I just, I don't know. I find that kind of liberating because I've gone through the experience. I don't, I've probably done it with things I experienced in childhood, but in more recent relationships, I've, I've had what you could call bad experiences, but I've framed them in, I had this wonderful relationship right, and then this bad stuff happened, but it was also wonderful. And I, I, that's what I related to in in the I story know, that Laura Dern that. was telling was that, but that idealization. But that must be a very normal, typical, maybe even necessary thing that humans do to get through traumatic events. Uh, it's and they hold. We hold on to the fantasy, but we hold on too long, and yeah. it, it starts to hurt us. Yeah.
0: Well, also our brains develop a certain way, yeah. and our our trauma brains have different reactions yeah. and, and ways of coping right. than our sort of frontal brains that tell us these stories. Yeah. And yet it's a natural thing yes.
1: that people do.
0: Well, it's called denial.
1: It's And it's called survival. Yeah. I mean, that's our life force. So, I mean, it's brilliant that we do it. Yes, But it's also brilliant in this movie to see her deconstruct it slowly.
0: I do remember mm. the scene where he violated her the first time, mm-hmm. which was almost unwatchable. Yeah. It's so wrenching. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's hard. But I just thought I just thought Laura Dern did such a brilliant job. And again, I don't know how they constructed the script to make it happen, but you could follow very step-by-step step what her interior experience was as she tried to come to yeah. terms with these, these memories that almost made sense, but then they would be yeah. like she'd hit like a dead end. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah.
0: I I should watch it again, if I can. And
1: what she most didn't want to admit, especially when she was young, and the young girl that plays her so great, great. is that she was hurt in any way at all. The denial of being injured or victimized was the strongest thing. Oh, interesting. And again, that's what we do to get through. (laughs) Because if
0: she wasn't a victim, then they didn't hurt her.
1: That's right. Mm. Yeah. I know that story. Yeah. I really know that story. Oh, man.
0: Well... Yeah, but does she ever have the young version of herself in the same room? Yes, same I think they do talk sometimes. Okay, because I remember yeah. sort of a climactic yeah. scene where
1: she's the girl's defiant. Because the one thing she will That's not right. give on is this point of it hurt her. She mm. was not going to let go of yeah. that. She was not going to give that up.
0: And what finally breaks through that, you know?
1: I don't remember, remember a particular thing. I'd have to go back and watch. I just know that she gets through the fantasy somehow you to know, abuse had, these girls. I had
0: such an emotional experience watching this movie, and now I cannot remember it. I've really blanked it no, out. I
1: almost never remember any plots at all, <laughs> but it's because I just saw it and because it, it rang so true, and it, it was a revelation to me to see that the survival process involves idealizing the very experience that hurt you most deeply.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? We're brilliant. Yeah. We're
1: brilliant creatures. We're like starfish. We're like growing broken off tentacles, building
0: them back. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's part of being resilient. Mm -hmm. It really is. Until that thing. I mean, another part of being resilient is being able to recognize it, right, and to deal with it in the present day.
1: Yeah. That's right. That's the second part that we do the maladaptation, to get through it. Yes. And then I guess the second part of the process is working past that and going back and, and letting go of that. Yes. So that we can continue to grow.
0: And to admit to the pain.
1: Right. Just to admit I was hurt.
0: Yes. That someone who yeah. I trusted, who was supposed yeah. to love me and take care of me. Yeah. And you don't want to admit that. No. It's too devastating. No, it's devastating when it happens with a parent. It's devastating yeah. when it happens with... Any yeah, beloved figure. Yeah,
1: it's amazing. Huh. But anyway, it's an inspiring movie. It's great, and it's
0: a true story. I mean, it oh, was, that's it, right. It's her book. Yes, the
1: Jennifer Fox, and they use her name in the movie. The character's Jenny Fox, huh. but that's the name of the author. Yeah, yeah. which
0: was also very powerful. For, I mean, it, it happened to the author. That's obviously. right.
1: That's right. It was very real and connected to a real yeah. experience. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm glad you reminded me of this. I I'm going to have it. to take another look I at it. I loved it. it. Huh. How could something about such a horrible topic be uplifting? But it was
0: because she faced it, because she faced it, and because she became whole by facing that's it. That's it. I really think that's why. It's like Sybil <laughs> when yeah. Sybil has all those other when Sybils. She owns them and she embraces them yeah. all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something healing about somebody's ability to reclaim uh-huh. themselves. And she admits in the end. Yes.
1: It's counterintuitive. You think by admitting all that negative stuff happened. It would just crush you, but the admission of it is what frees her. Yes. Yeah.
0: Well, the truth. The truth does set her free. Shall we talk about Mark Zuckerberg? Oh, yes. Well, he wrote an editorial in the, I believe it was the Sunday New York Times. Oh, okay. And I couldn't read past the part where it said that having social media has actually expanded the panoply of news sources that an individual gets, which is absolutely the opposite of what happens. Of what happens, yeah. We only see the things that we choose to see. Right,
1: right. And the more we click on the things we like, the more limited it becomes. Yes. Because it starts sending sending us more and more stuff that it thinks will match with that.
0: Now, one interesting thing, and it's a sidebar, a complete sidebar, but I I just touched on, I saw it and, and didn't read the whole article, about the Washington Post and the New York Times partnering with Facebook for news. I don't know how that's going to evolve. So, after Mark Zuckerberg has gone to Washington and has spoken to the formidable AOC, who uh, said, right. So you're going to allow lies to.
1: Right. I heard that exist exchange. On. I heard it just
0: today. And she's so powerful and oh, so yeah. righteous. Yeah. And he's such a little worm. Oh, yeah. He couldn't answer anything. He couldn't. But just to inform anybody who hasn't been inundated with this, which I am because I'm, you know, just a news junkie when it comes to this stuff, Mark Zuckerberg has been hauled up to Capitol Hill. To talk about the fact that he's allowing political lies to be spread on Facebook, Elizabeth Warren had her own piece of propaganda that she put on Facebook, which was an ad saying Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook have endorsed President Trump. As a test. As a test.
1: Did she put it in as a paid advertisement, or just? I as believe so. Okay. Yeah,
0: it wasn't as a political. I mean, it as was just it a was post. yes. Okay. And it's interesting that you say this because what is the reason that Mark Zuckerberg is taking political ads that lie? Because he gets money for it. Right. But the cloak that he hangs over himself in order to sell this is that we don't believe that we should interfere with political free speech. We believe that everybody who is a voter should be able to see exactly, Mm -hmm. see and hear exactly what each candidate is saying about their opponents, about their views, about everything. Right. And I really try to remain neutral because he's been vilified so much, but I absolutely believe at this point that he is evil. He Mm -hmm. has become an evil person. Mm -hmm. Whether he started out that way, I don't know. But he has become evil. Now, I do want to quote something that his spokesperson, Bertie Thompson, said in a statement. Quote, we remain committed to not censoring political speech and will continue exploring additional steps we can take to bring increased transparency to political ads. It's just more word salad. Yeah. Why
1: don't they just start refusing to take all political advertising? Well... That, true and not true.
0: Yes, and or they could just do local advertising and not do national candidates because local advertising doesn't have the same problem with Russians and bots oh, is that right? and all of the rest of it. Right. Because it's too they granular won't take any, for them yes, to get involved with. Yes. Well. It's too granular, and they, yeah, they don't... The Russians and all the other people who are trying to influence elections are only trying to influence the, the, the larger ones.
1: I never thought of it before, but I'm sure others have proposed it, but that seems to me the their answer. Instead of putting them in the position of being a gatekeeper, which I admit would be difficult, uh, that's where I can sympathize with them a little bit, is how do they check the, ver- the veracity of every single thing that comes their way? Why don't they just put a whole moratorium on political advertising across the board? Well, that
0: would solve the problem. Yeah. But they don't want to... They don't want to the advertising the money yeah so here we have it I mean we have 2016 all over again yeah
1: self-inflicted not even from another country except to the extent that another country takes and, advantage of Facebook and
0: they won't they won't take those off either I right. don't think right. I mean I think that what they're saying is we're not going to get involved in this right. election right we're not going to impose our values yeah. on this election although they certainly have people Culling through for child abuse and child pornography and other kinds of abuses. So it's not like they don't do this, they don't have a phalanx of people working on other aspects of it, but this right. is one that's just...
1: Oh, right, because they would have to filter out other things that are harmful. Yes. But it's just in the political realm because the money's so enormous, Yes, they're playing a helpless victim.
0: As if they need the money. Yeah. I mean, really. Yeah. What, one thing that I heard today that was interesting was, why does Facebook want you to get into a conflict with your cousin in Tennessee over Trump? Well, so that they can more keep clicks. you... More yeah. clicks, more ads.
1: More more. Or what do they call them? Eyeball, more eyeballs. Yes. Yeah. I don't know even even if they banned political advertising, it would still be hard, I imagine, to stop this industry of people who create fake personas on Facebook. And post their stuff yes. in the guise of an individual posting his or her opinion when it's really a concerted corporate effort to sway public opinion and, and to target right. specific individuals.
0: Yes, yeah. and I don't think that they've committed to taping they, up, they taking to out deep fake out ads or yeah. anything like that.
1: Or fake accounts for that matter. Yes. I'm sure they say they do, but with the fake accounts, they probably they would have to say they try to shut those down.
0: And maybe they make some sort of effort, but it would take a Herculean effort, and that's what they should devote to it.
1: Right. Yeah. So So here's this technology that came out like la-di-da, and it was supposed to make us all love each other and communicate and see our friends together. all the time. Yeah. And it's poisoning us. Yes, it is. It's a Frankenstein's monster. Jeez.
0: And we need to... I mean, I don't go on Facebook any more than it takes me to actually let people know that one of that our episodes is <laughs> yeah. has dropped, but that's the only reason that I'm ever yeah. on it. I go and on I if
1: I have it. a concert or a story show, and, and I pitch my performance gigs, but that's about but it. That's
0: what it's for.
1: For a few years, I would say, I was going on, I went on with the fantasy of, oh, these are people that know me and love me. And there's a lot of people on my list that do know me and love me. That's not a lie, but the sense of closeness, it's offset for me by it sort of engendered in me as almost a need to to be a little more public than was good for me yes, with sharing about my interior there. life. Yeah. And at a certain point, I just became kind of embarrassed to go on because I felt like I was, I'll go on. Like, here's what I want to go on and share pretty soon. I have four orchid plants in my office and sometimes they go along. They, they are, but they go a long time without flowering. But one of them has just had a little spike appear. And that means that's going to grow up in about a month. And it's going to start making flowers. That I'm thrilled about. (laughs) And that I'm going to post on Facebook. But I don't know. I felt I overexposed myself on Facebook.
0: The thing that I found with Facebook was someone who was very dear to me started posting photographs and love poems about her wedding Mm. and about her grandchildren. Right and her vacations
1: mm-hmm, and her wonderful life
0: her wonderful life and yeah. I even said at one point you know you're getting close to humble bragging here <laughs> and I just couldn't I couldn't stand it anymore because yeah. I know of her as a very sincere person and yet I fell out of touch with her on a right. regular basis and I was seeing these things and I, it just made me feel bad about myself Oh yeah. and I think that is part of the purpose of this thing that is supposed to democratize all of us and make us all accessible to each other mm-hmm. but it really really is a way of self-promoting. We are curating our own lives onto this platform.
1: Yeah, I'm sure there's many layers of psychological processes that are going on with that. And some, not all bad necessarily, but because there is something nice about knowing what somebody's doing that you wouldn't otherwise know about. There's something nice about being in touch with people that you've lost touch with. Yes. I, that, to, that aspect yes. of it, I have to say, I still enjoy it when I do go on and see something like from a childhood friend, what they're doing now. I, it's fun for me to know yes. you know, that they're living here or they're doing that or this is happening. Yes. So there's some positives. And
0: I, I found someone who, from my college mm-hmm. days, yeah. my early college days, Who's right. was thrilled to see her photograph. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, so I mean, it that. has a positive use, and that's what was so exciting about it when it first came out. But I wonder, too, if like, with your friend who posts her, her ideal life, if it doesn't also harm her to being stuck in this process of I have to show everybody how good I have it. That's a slavish and lifestyle. And then, what do you do
0: with the things that aren't so public and right. aren't so ready for prime time? Right. How, it's how like do you packaging, those things? Packaging
1: your own life and assigning value to it yeah. by how well it conforms to a fantasy of the way life is supposed to be, well, also, or like a yes. good life is supposed to look.
0: Yeah. Well, as so many of these are, but I also like to talk about the elements of not so much technology, but of these platforms, like. We were talking about Airbnb. Mm-hmm. Um Uber is certainly one of right. them. these things that were supposed to oh my liberate us. Yeah.
1: I didn't even think about Uber fitting into that category, but it does with the well, the abuse yeah, of the was, drivers. Yeah. And it was supposed to be this great boon where I could go out and drive my car
0: and make money. Yeah. Woohoo. Yeah. And instead it's become a mechanism for enslavement. Yep. It is. Yeah. They don't care about the drivers. Yep. And
1: Airbnb's having all these issues about negatively affecting the, the housing, housing situations in yeah. tight markets and exacerbating the homeless problem. And they've all gone public. So they're all making, they're all trying well, to sell the thing stock. About
0: the, I mean, I, I, hate, I really hate to, because I have been on those scooters and they are a ton of fun, oh. but they're unregulated. Oh, yeah. And, and it's, it's a mess. Yeah. And I, I loved my time on my scooters <laughs> when I had them. Bird Bird and Uber, jump. Uber and Lyft have them now, too, I, I think. think. jump is Lyft. Okay. I've yes. seen
1: some scooters that say Uber on them. Yeah, and now yeah. There are
0: bicycles, too. Oh,
1: yeah, or little mopeds, kind of.
0: Yeah, but those things are unregulated. I, I just think that the theme of us believing that there were better angels that were mm-hmm. really going to we were make our lives better. Yeah. And, and now we are entrapped by them. Right. We are enslaved right. by our phones. See, yeah. this is my actual belief. I hate to say it, but Stephen Hawking agrees with me that our technology is what is going to end the human race. Mm-hmm. Yes, Stephen Hawking himself said that we are creating AI that eventually, oh. just like the Terminator, right. is going to be able to dominate us. And why not? Why couldn't it? hello Hal. well we've been through uh,
1: i'm gonna take the happy clappy liberal view maybe it's just an idea this has happened before like we had an industrial revolution right yes and it was going to liberate mankind yeah and and instead it turned into the enslavement of mankind
0: through capitalism
1: yes but we well we're still stuck in a capitalist loop that's uh, exploitive of Lots of people.
0: And that's what these technologies are. They are absolutely capitalist. But we at models. least did
1: make progress in terms of putting laws in place that so that we had to watch out for worker safety. That's and- true. Things like that. We we made some progress. We made um, a lot of progress. Yeah, but what in we terms didn't of individual rights,
0: was how the wealthy could become more wealthy, right. and the rest of us are riding around in Ubers yes. and trying to make a living.
1: Well, that goes to the founding of our nation, as I've learned in listening to my audiobook.
0: Well, we'll have to talk about that <laughs> another time because we're in time right now. A brief history in <laughs> the United States. We started with that. We'll talk about it later. We, we have to because uh, I want to catch up with you on that. That. okay but it's so, margarita time it is margarita time oh my goodness i hear the mariachi band in the oh, background the oh, female margarita Mar- yes another topic the female, for our future <laughs> Mariachi. the female mariachi i don't think band. you're having a margarita tonight, <laughs> <laughs> and your friend well it's time to the say the way i can best
1: this. express my love for you is to say no
0: <laughs> and i accept that <laughs> Thank you, Brewers Thanks for coming everybody on this little journey with us. And we will talk to you in a week. Bye, bye. everyone. Bye-bye.